0: Hey, welcome back to Mr. Chubby's Wings out in Fleming Island. we got high school football tonight. Our game of the week is out here in Fleming Island, and it's going to be a fun one. Hopefully the weather holds a little rainy, but Wakaiva against Fleming Island, first round of the playoffs in high school football. More on that a little bit later. Brent Martin, No former Jags player, current MMA fighter, Austin Lane with us. And right now it's awesome to have Peter King with us on Action Sports. Jacks. how are you doing, sir?
1: Everything's going good. How are you guys?
0: We are fantastic. We have to set the scene and tell everybody about the story with Austin Lane. He actually did some writing for you back in the Sports Illustrated days. He wrote. He? he
1: wrote. Okay, so in 2013, um, I started this uh, this website at Sports Illustrated called the MMQB. And so what I wanted to do at the MMQB was uh, I wanted to basically make football come to life a little bit more than it already did and so i essentially tried to go out and do some stories myself and our 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 staff members do some stories really inside the game like i spent uh a week in the life of an officiating crew i i mean i literally lived and and was around those guys a seven member crew for a week a different person every day and so I, I, those were the kind of stories I wanted to do. And so I always wanted to do a story uh, more than anything else, almost uh, I wanted to know what it felt like to be cut from from a football team. And uh, so I basically uh, I basically, you know, we started this website in the summer of two thousand and thirteen. And Austin Lane was released in mid, I think, mid-June of 2013 yep, correct. and uh, by, the, by the Jaguars. And so I reached out to him. I found him. I reached out to him. And I just said, I want to do a story that essentially describes what it feels like to be cut. And we ended up calling the story, for lack of a better term, what it feels like to be whacked and (laughs) Austin Lane did such an incredible job of such a vivid description of everything, how he felt all day, you know, from the time he's sitting there in a meeting and he basically is told to, to go see Dave Caldwell, the GM, it was Dave Caldwell, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You were told to go see the GM, and, uh, and the head coach was Gus Bradley, and, and you were told to go see him, and they, they basically fired you. And you yeah. talked about every step of the way exactly what it felt and the vivid details, and it just – I'm dead serious. I, was, I ran the site for five years, and when I left, we were we, at the end of it, we had a party. I think they were happy I was going. <laughs> but um, we we uh, we had this party and and somebody there said to me, "Give me your five most memorable stories." Um, one of them was Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman wrote for us. Um, uh, Richard Sherman wrote at eleven o'clock at night the night he attacked Aaron Andrews in post game interview of the NFC Championship, um, and it was a very very controversial column. Uh, Barack Obama read it and everything. It was a very interesting. But anyway, we we did. We were talking about the five best things that were ever on our site, and we all agreed that Austin Lane's story was one of them.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Peter. It means a lot to me. that gave me the opportunity, you know. And I'm sure you kind of remember the conversations a little bit that I had when I was getting ready to write that story because I didn't want to do it, you know, because you're you're basically yeah. admitting that you failed and uh that you got fired and now you have to kind of re- relive those memories and everything and put them on paper but at the end of it you know and I'll be honest it, w- it was probably one of the hardest things I have ever had to do was re- relive all those memories relive all those emotions but at the end of it you know when I when I finally hit the last period and I sent it in there was like this just this big weight was taken off my shoulder so it was almost like it was uh like a therapeutic almost, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, I was really happy with how it turned out. And I think that the biggest compliments that I got, you know, and I think you told me Rex Ryan read it and like, I guess he was very impressed and that was cool. But it was just – it was the average day person that would either leave a comment in my Twitter or on Facebook and just say, hey, man, I just got fired too and I really appreciate how you yeah. kind of brought playing in the NFL yeah. back down to just, you know, the personal level. So um, that, yeah. that was my biggest takeaway of it. So I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Hey, well, I know we want to talk about other things, but I'm dead serious. That's one of the best things that, that we did and uh, we really owe you a lot and you should just know how appreciated that that story was, and I'm glad you enjoyed doing it.
0: That's pretty cool. I, I, Peter, you cover so many players uh, across your career. Yeah. Is it cool when you see – now, you shared that story with Austin, but Austin's now gone from a guy helping you out with that article, a football player, uh, an MMA fighter, and heck, he's going to be a radio star uh, soon enough. Yeah. Uh, we just started this thing uh, this year, but – is that kind of fun to watch where guys go, life after football? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because there's so many guys, and Austin, I'm sure you know a lot of them. There's so many guys who either, you know, spend the next three or four or five years, let's say you get cut when you're 27 years old or whatever, then yeah. there's a lot of guys who just don't believe it's over. And yeah. for some of them, it isn't over. So, and and, and my, my recollection Austin, you went to, I don't know, three or four teams after that and played yeah. some, and you were on the Chiefs for a while and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, what I, what I admire about Austin Lane is how he is exploring everything in life. Uh, and, 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 you know, from, from something literary to another physical pursuit, you know, like, like MMA, uh, and then to the media. I mean, it's just cool. Uh, Austin Lane doesn't know what he's going to be when he's forty-five years old. I, <laughs> I, I, I doubt. You know, I h- do not. <laughs> how, and so and so and so try try a bunch of things and see what you really like. And that's that's kind of what I admire about him. Peter well, King with us.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to say, Peter, I mean, you absolutely hit it on the head because when you talk about guys that retire, you know, I was blessed enough where I knew what I wanted to do next. You know, I knew I wanted to get with yeah. MMA and kind of follow that journey a little bit. I knew that I had, you know, like the stories that I wrote for you and I had, you know, kind of like my degree in the in the background, so eventually I can maybe be on the radio. But so many guys in this league, and I, and I have friends. I'm not going to name drop anybody, but I know plenty of guys who, you know, the NFL is it's, it's a sport. It's a profession that – Usually when you retire, you're getting asked to retire. You, you don't retire on your own terms. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's kind of like me and I'm sitting in John Fox's office for the Chicago Bears and he's saying, "You know what? We're going to go in a, we're going to go in a younger direction." I was 26 years old at the time. I thought I was young, but now I have someone telling me that I'm way too old to play the game, you know? And that was kind of my rude awakening, but thankfully I had other places to go, I had other outlets. And a lot of guys, Peter, I think it's the fact that they don't have any, anywhere else to turn, right? And all of a sudden, they get kind of lost. They they don't have to be here at a certain time. You don't have a coach telling you what to do, and they just yeah. kind of get lost. And it's uh, it's kind of an unfortunate thing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Peter King, with us, yeah. uh, how's football morning in America? From Monday morning quarterback to football morning in America, it's an awesome column. Uh, everybody tells you that. Uh, we appreciate all the work you put into it because it's such a Read for all of us football fans. Let's, let's do some quick hitters, man. Uh, Foles yep. or Minshew, who would you have picked?
1: After last Sunday, I would have picked Foles. Uh, before last Sunday, I had the thought that, uh, you know, if Minshew plays a really good game in London, win or lose, I'd stick with him. Um, he's exciting. He's fun. The guys on the team, you can tell they like playing with him and for him. And, look, I was in training camp. I was extremely impressed with how quick Nick Foles uh, became, uh, A, one of the guys, and B, very well-respected in that locker room. So this is no reflection whatsoever on Foles. It was simply the fact that it, when I looked at this kid, he was, he was exciting. He was a poor man's Brett Favre. And it just was so cool to watch. He, he made football fun. It reminds me a lot of, of watching uh, Lamar Jackson to some degree. Uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen next, and and Deshaun Watson, and you know maybe the old Steve Young, but and whereas you know, so now they're going to head into, um, you know, starting Monday at practice, they're going to head into a, a, a different era, and that era is more of a drop back guy, uh, more traditional football. More Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin style. Um, and But but at the very least, what the Jaguars know now. You know, I heard somebody the other day, I think it was on ESPN, but I forget. Somebody was saying, well, you know, now what they could do with Minshew is they could, I'm sure they could get a four for him in the offseason. I said, <laughs> are you crazy? I'm not trading <laughs> Minshew. I'm never trading Minshew. Now, he might be a free agent one day, and he might... Uh, go get a big deal somewhere, who knows. But I'm not giving him away for a four. Do you have any idea what the value is in the NFL of a backup quarterback who can win? You just saw it. He won four games. Now, he lost four, but he won four games. And And I challenge anybody, you tell me right now, you give me five players right now in the NFL who you would take as a backup quarterback, current backups, Give me five of them who you take over Minshew. I, I, I might find two or three. I absolutely could not find five.
2: Peter, you you, you, you mentioned a little bit Jackson of the Ravens, you know, and me and Brenton have been kind yeah. of debating the whole week now where is he kind of like that flash in the pan because we saw it last year, you know, like the the – Los Angeles Rams and that Sean McVay RPO offense. All of a sudden it was this brand new thing. It was fresh and no one could really stop it until the Super Bowl and the Patriots finally did. Now enter the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Jackson at the helm. I mean, do you think Jackson will finally get figured out or is it from my philosophy like I think where I think Jackson's like Michael Vick where Michael Vick kind of sabotaged himself? Because I remember when I played Michael Vick, we couldn't stop him. Nobody could. Do you think he's more of the flash in the pan or do you think he's more of that – Michael Vick special kind of player that no one's going to be able to stop?
1: Well, I mean, look, I'm going to say something right now that might sound absurd. Um, and I, 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 it could very well be absurd. I, I think he's better than Michael Vick. Wow. And the reason I think he's better than Michael Vick is because the most important play in that game last week came midway through. I was at the game in Baltimore came midway through the third quarter and uh, uh, the the uh, the crowd sounded like a Metallica concert the whole game they were going absolutely <laughs> crazy but now after being after uh, the Ravens took that 17 nothing lead now it was 2420 the Ravens were up and the and the Patriots you could just feel it this inexorable uh, March the Patriots were going to come back the Patriots are going to win the game and all this. And, and so I'm watching this, but more importantly, in the stadium, I'm hearing this. I wrote in my column on Monday, it's, it was Sistine Chapel quiet. It was just, I'm, I'm serious. I could hear in the press box, I could hear Lamar Jackson calling signals. Now, oftentimes, the, you know, the, 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 the team with the ball, the home team, wants it to be quiet when the team's on offense i get it this was a different level of quiet you would have thought there was nobody in the stadium you couldn't hear anything and so and so what happened on that play third and five zero blitz by uh by the by the patriots they send six all right and they have one guy spying lamar jackson all right so that's seven guys that means The four receivers sent out in coverage, all of them were singled with no single high safety, no safety help anywhere. And so now you've got six guys rushing plus a spy. This is not a time for Lamar Jackson to run for the five yards in the first down. He's not going to make it. So what does he have to do? He has to throw the ball. So Mark Andrews, the tight end, uh, does a corner route on the left side. He's blanketed uh, by a Patriots defender, and 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 Lamar Jackson throws the ball 18 yards downfield, high. Okay, so that yep. uh, the 5'11 Patriots corner can't get it, but the 6'5 Baltimore tight end can get it. It was a perfect throw. He completes the throw. They go on and score. They go up 30 to 20. Uh, 30 to 20. Uh, the Patriots never heard from again so what i'm the point i'm making is this is not a guy who has to make a living with his legs hmm. he absolutely unequivocally i'm not saying he can do it every time but against the patriots he made three or four big throws when he really needed them and that's what i think is going to set lamar jackson apart
0: that's a great point yeah the ravens uh, look like genius is for, for making that selection. <laughs> Not bad for wide receiver.
1: Speaking of 32nd, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you
0: describe the, the the quiet nature of that stadium, I, I immediately thought of Peyton Manning and Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. He used to get that place so quiet. Yeah. It was he did. incredible. You're right. Uh, uh, I yeah. want to ask you about you're a uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. Uh, I don't think yeah. I'm allowed to ask you how you vote, but my duty here in Jacksonville. Oh, I'm happy King. to tell you how
1: I vote. I think we should. <laughs> I think no, I'm serious. I think we should. I think our vote should be public. I've always thought that. But anyway, well, go ahead. I,
0: well, my duty here in Jacksonville is to get number seventy-one into that Hall of Fame, Tony Baselli, where he
1: deserves to be. Is and that I'll how tell you feel about in it? In my opinion, I mean, I think Tony Bacelli is going to get into the Hall of Fame eventually. I think this is just my gut feeling. I do not. I never say to people, "Hey." Why did you vote for Mawai? Why did you because I think Mawai is deserving. I think Steve Hutchinson is deserving. I think Alan Fanica is deserving. But here is the biggest issue. And I'm gonna I'm going on absolute uh, estimate because I don't have any numbers or stats in front of me. But I believe I believe that uh Fanica and Hutchinson, who who he will be in competition with this year to get in the hall, uh, both played about twice as many games as Tony Baselli did. There's nothing Baselli can do about that. He he didn't play as many games. He was an absolute standout when he did play. But uh, I believe, as do a lot of voters, that longevity matters. Length of career matters. And that, in my opinion, is the biggest thing that's uh, holding him back right now. Do I think it is fatal? No. Um, I think that Tony Baselli, in my opinion, was better at his position than Terrell Davis was at his position. And Davis played fewer games and fewer seasons for the Denver Broncos. And in my opinion, that is going to be the comparison that in my, my opinion anyway, is eventually going to get Bacelli in. Now this year, next year, four years down the road, I, I can't answer the question because I simply don't know, but, And he may enter through the senior category if he doesn't make it this way. I hope hope not. But I I certainly believe he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I will speak up for him when the time comes, as I have spoken up for him in the past.
0: Very good. Uh, Peter King with us, and uh, we'd love to see 71 in that Hall of Fame. It it, it will happen at some point, hopefully sooner than later. Hey, the hot topic around everywhere, it seems London. Uh, Listen, I've been a long believer Jags are not moving to London, uh, but they do play a game there annually. Is a team eventually going to London? Are we a long way away from it? And do you see a situation where the Jags play multiple games there, home games that could be?
1: I mean, I think everything that you've asked is on the table. Um, I believe – for for the last few years, I have believed, probably until this year, and my now my belief, I'm not as sure about it, but I have believed uh, for the last few years that there would be a team in London by about 2023, full-time. <clears throat> and then I think a couple of things have happened. When the NFL talks about it now, they talk about it yeah, we would love to have a team in London, but they don't talk about it with any end date to that, or we'd love to have a team in there by such and such a time. So now I'm really not sure, okay? But having said that, um, you know, the one thing about this 17th game that they might add is it gives the NFL more inventory to play with for things like international games. And it could be that the NFL could say, we're going to play eight games overseas every year now, instead of four plus one, four in London, one in Mexico. We're going to play at least eight overseas. That is one uh, way that I've heard talk about this. And who knows, maybe the Jaguars get to the point where they play too. Khan, I think, really wants to establish a beachhead because of the market size in Jacksonville. The more people he can get loving his team uh, in England and in Europe, you know, the better it is for the team financially, the more team more people will schedule trips to Jacksonville to come see the Jags play, and and will establish sort of a beachhead for them in Europe. So that's that's a good thing. But if they end up playing two games there, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any inside information on that at all. Uh, but I do think whether there's going to be a team there. I do believe that starting probably in 2022 or 23. The schedule overseas will be expanded.
0: Peter King with us. Good thoughts on Tony Bacelli on London. I don't know if uh, Austin told you you're hanging with us for like two hours. I, was just <laughs> I did not I know say you, that. I know you have stuff going on. So let's let's get you out of here. But if you don't okay. mind, I want to get your picks. If We do six games, and we'll just ask yeah. for your picks. We'll do ours later. But we do a few okay. f- college football and a few NFL. I'll give, you, I'll give you a pick, and I'll give you a sentence. I love it. I like it. Uh, How was that? Perfect. I, I, that's perfect. I think this is a fascinating game between the Bills and the Browns. The Browns are favored by too. three. Their game, their season is on life support. And, Peter, I just don't know how good the Bills are. This is a chance to maybe get a big win on the road.
1: Browns will win this game, in my opinion, because Baker Mayfield loves the pressure. He has not responded to the pressure so far this year, but he understands his coach's job is on the line and possibly Odell Beckham's future in Cleveland is on the line. I think they're going to find a way to get it to Beckham, and that was longer than a sentence. I love it. Hey, we have all the
0: time in the world. uh, Vikings-Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are my Super Bowl pick. They're favored by three over the Vikings. Can Kirk Cousins win a big football game?
1: I was just going to say I'm picking Dallas because, until proven otherwise, I don't trust Kirk Cousins in a game of this magnitude.
0: And the Seahawks and the 49ers, I'm surprised Vegas knows something, Peter, because they're a six-point favorite over the Seahawks and the MVP of the league right now, Russell Wilson.
1: Well, rightfully so, because I'm not sure that Seattle can block San Francisco's front. I think that the game in Arizona was a little faulty as far as forming judgments. A lot of people have said, well, you know, see, the 49ers can be blocked. Short week game on the road. Uh, their defensive line had played a huge number of snaps against Carolina in a very physical game on Sunday. Then they travel. I I, I don't I don't think that I, I just I don't think that Seattle going to be able to hold the the cavalry back from Russell Wilson.
0: All right, good thoughts on that. I'm going to go to the college game now. Penn State Minnesota biggest game since uh, I don't know when in Minnesota. Uh, six and a half point underdog at
1: home. Are the Gophers. What do you think? I know I know absolutely nothing about college football, <laughs> but a big game in November when they when they have that whiteout thing in state college. Uh, I don't know. I hey look, and far be it from me, because I might be wrong, but I would bet that the majority to vast majority of Minnesota football players in this game will not have played in an atmosphere like this before. I'll take Penn State.
0: <laughs> hey, here's here's an NFL kind of game. LSU-Alabama, six-point favorite for Tuscaloosa and
1: Alabama. Six-point
0: favorites just over just LSU. Thought,
1: I just saw somebody wrote that there's 16 future first-round picks in this game. <laughs> Incredible. So, I mean, maybe it is an NFL game. I, you know... I I probably probably would pick LSU just because I trust the quarterback Burrow a little bit more right now. He's incredibly accurate. And look, uh, Tua Tagovailoa to me, I don't I don't know how healthy he is. And look, I don't pay that much attention to college football. I'll be watching that game, but I don't Absolutely. pay that much attention to college football. But Tua's hurt a lot. I mean that would. That would factor into my decision-making if I had a high first-round pick, if I'm Cincinnati or Miami, and I need a quarterback. And, I and look, it might just be fluky things. He's had two major ankle injuries two years in a row. I don't know. Maybe not major is not the right word, but two significant, you know, uh, limiting ankle injuries two years in a row. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I I'll I Give me the hot quarterback. I'll go Burrow, and I'll go LSU.
0: All right, I'm going to come back to the NFL for our final one for you. Panthers and Packers. Packers favored by five and a half. And I wanted to do this game for you because it's the Cam Newton era over in Carolina.
1: Well, I'll take the Packers because I don't think that what they did last week at the the Chargers uh, was the real Green Bay Packers of this year. I think Aaron Jones is going to be one of the most significant players at any position in the NFL in the second half. Just watch Rodgers has fallen in love with them both as a runner and a pass receiver. Um, so I'll take them Now, as far as Cam Newton goes, the one thing you have to ask yourself with Cam Newton, whether you're Carolina or whether you're a team that has some interest in acquiring Cam Newton, one thing you have to ask yourself is, who is he right now? He came into training camp this year off shoulder surgery saying, and he said it to me, saying that you know, he was learning how to be a different kind of quarterback. He was maturing and and no, knew that he can't be the old reckless self and and all that and and so and and look, it, it's it's been since 2017 really that he's played healthy. So he's going to come on the field opening day 2020 after missing almost all of 2019. Basically all of it. He was never healthy. He had the foot injury going back to August and coming off shoulder surgery. And then in 2018, most of the year he was really bothered by the bad shoulder. So I don't know who he is right now. And so if you're the Carolina Panthers, do you just say we'll bite the bullet and we're paying 19 million this year, or do you just let him go, move on, and figure that we're not positive what we'd get out of him anyway? I think the Panthers are sort of on the edge of a cliff on this decision, have not decided what to do yet, and it'll be interesting to see their decision.
2: Peter, man, we really appreciate you coming on. You've obviously stayed longer than we could ever expect, and we thank you for that. I just want to kind of close our conversation a little bit with a quick story uh, that I want to share. And this goes back to the first time I actually interacted with you. And this would be at Bowling okay. Green University. It was for the NFL broadcast oh, yeah. bootcamp, yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, it was basically just kind of like a, you know, they kind of threw you in the mix and you kind of got the, 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 the crash course of being a journalist and being a person on the radio and the TV. It was a great course. But one of the cool things was the fact that they said, you know, you'd be speaking. Now I thought at the time you were going to be there in person. So I was excited to get a, get get a picture with you and everything well it was a Skype interview which was still very cool yeah. you know and, and yeah. you're very eloquent with kind of the advice that you gave us and I'll never forget and it's probably um the most influence you know re- I mean I-, I get it I wrote for you for Sports Illustrated and that was fantastic but w- what you said to me at that boot camp um was probably the most important thing that I've taken with my career right now on the radio and I'll never forget I asked you the question I'm like when, when you have to turn in something to an editor or when you have a producer, when you have a boss, how do you maintain your voice and just how important is it to, 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 to have your voice? And I'll never forget what you told me. You basically said the, the voice is the most important thing. Being you is the most important thing and you have to fight every single day for your voice. So, yeah. let's, let's fa- so let's fast forward now to, you know, it's, I think we're in January, right? Brent, we, we go into the ESPN 690 studios, and the very first thing that I did as I walked in the studio for the very first time of being on the radio is I, I took out a sticky note and, I, and I, I basically wrote the words, be you. And that was, was always going to remind me that I have to fight for my voice no matter what and to be myself, and that's thanks to you, man. So I appreciate the advice, uh, and I just want you to know that I'm still using that till today.
1: Ah, that's really fantastic. I'm glad. You know why? I'll tell you this, Austin. No matter what you do in life, if you try to phony it up, it's like all these guys, one of the things that people have said about why haven't the guys who, who came off Bill Belichick's staff, why haven't they been successful when they go out to be head coaches? Well, one of the reasons is I think a lot of them try to say, man, I learned so much from Bill. I admire Bill so much. They try to be Bill to some degree instead of being themselves. And I'm not saying that – I'm not saying they, they totally phony themselves up or anything like that, but I think there's a way to take the lessons from Bill Belichick without actually trying to be Bill Belichick. And, and it's, it's the exact same thing with you. You just need to wake up every morning and be exactly who you are and then go on the air – And have the opinions of Austin Lane, whoever you are. Not have the opinions to say, you know what? I watched Stephen A. Smith yesterday, and I really admire the way he just takes off after people. And I am going to be a Cobra or whatever. You you know, it's it's not going to work. If you're a Cobra, it'll work. But you can't (laughs) copy somebody else's style. You just
0: have to have your own. Well, tough to duplicate your career, Peter King from sports illustrated to nbc monday morning quarterback football morning in america congratulations on all the success five-time author by the way as well and uh i'll leave you with this go red sox
1: peter (laughs) well we'll see they need to keep mookie but it sounds like it's going to be a little uh a little shaky in that regard but listen great to be on with you guys call anytime really happy to to talk to you thanks a lot we appreciate the time peter king
0: Check him out every week, of course, on Football Morning in America. And guy does a fantastic job. Great perspective on a lot of different topics.